Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is up, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. We got a lot going on. We got a lot of football stories popping off, as the kids say. We got Trey Lance. And that's, I guess, unofficially over as he's named the third-string quarterback. By the time you're listening to this, he could be on another team. Who knows? No show to practice, so we will discuss that situation. Sam Williams, Cowboys up-and-coming stud defensive lineman, arrested. Jonathan Taylor, that situation continues to drag on. And uh, we'll just hit a couple other things. But here's the game plan. Today's podcast, football-heavy podcast, I'll do a Friday podcast, which will include a mailbag. So at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in the DMs. This just this will just be me talking the whole time. No mailbag. We'll do a mailbag on Friday's podcast. Obviously, I went on Colin's show yesterday. So we'll just keep the content flowing. But heavy day today. I think Sam Williams is a stud. I remember watching that guy last week for the Cowboys. Uh, or last year for the Cowboys, I mean. So not ideal. We'll, we'll dive into Jerry Jones there. And the Trey Lance situation, we've never talked more about a third-string quarterback. I mean, I'm ready for this conversation to kind of slow down. But today, obviously, it's a big story with the news breaking. Other than that, yeah, so we'll just bang out podcasts. You can see them on YouTube, thevolume.com. Go get yourself some merch. I'm wearing a hat right now. They look good. Can't recommend them enough. And uh, and yeah, let's dive into the show. Do you have a smartphone? Because if you do, go to your apps and download the GameTime app. The GameTime app happens to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when you do, sign up for a pair of tickets. You want to go to a football game this fall. You want to go to a concert. Get out. Have a good time. Take your wife. Take your girlfriend. Take your son. Do it on me. Because when you first sign up on the game time for any pair of tickets, if you use the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, promo code JOHN, you get $20 off your first pair of tickets. I've gone to Morgan Wallen. I've gone to a hockey game. I've gone to a spring training game. I'll probably go to an NFL game or a college game this fall, and I'll do it because of game time. They're the number one fastest growing ticketing app in America. They're awesome, interactive maps, very, very easy to do or use. And like I said, use the promo code John, you get $20 off the first pair of tickets. Well, I think two things can be true when it comes to this Trey Lance 49ers situation. When you look at the overall conversation and where it comes from, right? Why it's such a polarizing discussion. 
is because of the draft pick. If Trey Lance had been a third round pick, no one would care. This would not be a constant conversation. But because he was not only the third overall pick, but because the 49ers went from 12 to three and traded several first round picks to make that move, it's an unprecedented move. And like I said, two things can be true. First and foremost, disastrous trade, disastrous process. They made a trade in March without specifically knowing the player they were going to pick. On top of that, when you trade up early in a draft, typically you trade for the number one pick, maybe the number two pick, but the number three overall pick, that's insane. Now, emotions were running high. In 2020, a lot of people probably don't remember, the 49ers got kicked out of California. They were having a disastrous season, led the league in injuries, were coming off a Super Bowl where they easily could have won, and it was not going well in 2020. And then literally in December, they had to come to Arizona for the last four or five games because Santa Clara County would not allow them to work with COVID restrictions. So emotions were running high. Awful season coming off the Super Bowl, kicked out of your own state, and just a lot of question marks about Jimmy Garoppolo's health. I think that not only when they pulled the trigger early to go from 12 to 3 in March, was it a bad process? I think they were emotionally driven. And Coward's take forever has always been, remove the emotion. And I would say any business book, anything that you read, any individual that you meet, any mentor you have who is successful in the private sector will tell you, you have to balance your emotions when making deals, right? If you get too emotionally connected, it's when you can get screwed. I'm not saying you can't be emotional in business, in football, when it comes to making trades, but you have to be very careful about allowing it to cloud your judgment. And I do not think they were in the proper space because for the most part, the 49ers have been one of the better drafting teams in the NFL. Hence why they have one of the better rosters in the league. And they have been one of the better personnel moving teams in terms of trading for star players, finding diamonds, and just building a roster in the league. But when it comes to the quarterback situation, Jimmy always drove them nuts. I understand. He's not perfect, right? You always try to upgrade when you have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. But the process which led them to Trey Lance was not just awful. It, it, was, it was wrong. And it led them to a player which... This is the other half of this, the conversation. It's just not that good. And I think the easiest way to talk about this situation when it comes to Trey Lance is a lot of times, you know, there can be off the field stuff. Maybe a, a person is not a great human being, right? That's not the case at all with this guy. People love the guy, high character, works hard. But in professional sports, the overwhelming majority of players, and definitely when it comes to quarterbacks, are simply just not good enough. They're really like the top 10 quarterbacks. And even if you add like Cousins, Dak, and a couple, there is a huge gap between the top 12, 13, 14 guys and everyone else, including starters and then definitely to the backups. And that's the majority of humans are not the top 12, 14 guys. It's the rest of the crew, the next 30, 40, 50 quarterbacks that are bouncing around the league. And relative to their peers, they're average to below. It's a very hard position to play. Many would argue it's the most difficult thing to do in all of sports because a guy like Trey can be big, in theory, can be fast. He's not, he's to me, an overrated athlete, have a strong arm, and just not be a very good quarterback. 
not very accurate, lacks touch. And honestly, when you just watch him play, there's like a poise and a calmness that he doesn't have. That if you just flip around preseason games, you see it in other young players. And part of it is the circumstance of his college experience. One, when he was coming out of high school, most people did not view him as a quarterback. The Big Ten, which is easily the second best conference behind the SEC, no one would offer him a scholarship. Even his hometown team, Minnesota, was like, you can play a different position. We don't think you're a quarterback. And he goes to North Dakota State, which obviously you can come out of D1AA and play in the NFL and be successful, but it is much harder to evaluate because at a place like North Dakota State, the gap is wider between their talent and the majority of teams they play than like Alabama or Georgia. So they killed everybody. He had a good statistical season, but a lot of that, as someone texted me today in the league, was he was running quarterback power a lot, and they literally were overpowering guys. In the NFL, I need on third and seven, you to hit a guy in a hand who is covered, like no space. And he hasn't proven to do that. So the moment that they signed Sam Darnold for three and a half million, I went, they like Sam Darnold more. Because how could they convince a guy who easily would have had opportunities all throughout the NFL to be just the backup quarterback, going into camp, going into OTAs, like you're just our backup quarterback, here's four or five million dollars. Instead, he had to compete for the backup. Come on, this thing was rigged from the jump. And after watching a couple preseason games and following the training camp closely, of course, Trey, or Sam Darnold's better than Trey Lance. That's not even that crazy of a thing to say. This other thing that I don't quite understand, the people that act like Sam Darnold is some finished product. I'll promise you this. Everything that happened with the New York Jets, and it was really ugly for Sam Darnold, Kyle Shanahan cares zero about. He probably, I'm sure, thinks Adam Gase is the village idiot, because who doesn't? He is not holding him to like, that's who that player is. He's viewing a guy who has more arm talent and is just more accurate than Trey Lance, than any quarterback he's had in San Francisco, and a guy that he thinks fits his offense. And the other thing is Brock Purdy, and this is what is so crazy about the NFL. It's the ultimate reality show. I, If I would have told you this is the way it would have played out like four years ago or three years ago when they made the pick, you never would have believed me. You know, Trey's not even going to be the third, the second string quarterback going into year three. Aaron Rodgers will also be on the Jets and Zach Wilson will be his backup. Sam Darnold will come in and this guy named Brock Purdy, the seventh round pick. It's The NFL, there is no television show like it. That's why it's the number one television show in all of America. You, you cannot make up the outcomes. But I also think this is the correct outcome. And Kyle is able to do this, not only without like hesitation, but without worry that his owner's going to fire him. He's going to get run out of town. Like He's got six playoff victories the last four years. He's got four playoff victories the last two. Now, has he won a Super Bowl? No. Can he ever? Time will tell. But in terms of the 49ers, like this guy, if Kyle Shanahan wants to do something and I'm the owner or I'm the GM, I trust it. Doesn't mean we're not, he's going to be right on everything. Definitely his some of his play calls backfire. But on the overall totality of his decision-making, since he has been the, the, the high guy on the, on the food chart, on the organizational food chart in this, the San Francisco 49ers, because ultimately he's the decision-maker, things have gone pretty damn well. And I would say this, his decisions with quarterback, who was the guy banging the table the loudest about Kirk Cousins a decade ago? I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan, but let's face it, Kyle was right. To turn Matt Ryan into the MVP was winning playoff games with Jimmy freaking Garoppolo 
rattled off victory after victory after victory with Brock Purdy. Pick 255. I think that's right. Whatever the last pick of the draft was, Mr. Irrelevant. So if he doesn't think Trey Lance is that good, like, yeah, things change. I never understand this. Well, you just used all those picks to draft him. Yeah, three years ago. I once invested a lot in Tilray, a weed stock. Kind of regretted that one a couple years later. Information changes. If you're unwilling to change your opinion in most industries, you're going to fucking lose. It is not going to work out for you. Now, no one knows how ultimately this is going to play out, but I feel pretty confident it's going to be very difficult for Trey Lance in the at least in the next couple of years. Like, it, let's say they trade him in the next 24, 48, three or four days. He is not starting week one for any team. So it will take a team like, let's say, an Atlanta, a Tampa, for them to be really bad. Let's give them five, six weeks of that starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, uh, Desmond Ritter really struggling, and then them go to Trey Lance. Well, that's a bad situation then, right? You're a one and five team, a two and six team. You're just going to play well. You couldn't play well. Kyle didn't feel with the weapons he had. You're just going to do well in those situations. Probably not. And, and Trey just has some accuracy and touch issues. And typically, if you're not a big play player, which I've never really seen with him, also, he's just not a great athlete, right? Like when Josh Allen, all else fails, Josh Allen can just be like, screw it, I'm taking off. And he does. And he makes huge plays. Trey's not that fast. Like I watching Sam Darnold and him and Purdy run around, like they all kind of look the same speed to me. He's not exactly Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray running around. So it's not like he's some quote unquote dual threat. And as a thrower, he's just very, very hit or miss. And the circumstance that in 2023, August, you know, whatever it is, 23rd or 24th, if you're listening to this, right now, he's just not good enough. Doesn't mean he can't improve. He's young, but it is difficult. Most guys do not dramatically improve over time. So I would bet against it. So I agree with Kyle's decision. I've been beating the drum forever. Sam Darnold was going to be the number two. And it wouldn't shock me if Sam plays a little bit for the 49ers this year. Because I think Kyle Shanahan really likes Sam Darnold. Now, Brock Purdy can control that if he's playing well and they're kicking ass. Obviously, Sam will just be a backup. But sometimes you miss in the draft, even when you trade a million first-round picks. The thing you have to do when you miss, especially at quarterback, is be unafraid to pivot and unafraid to say, I got it wrong. How many people listening to this right now get in arguments with your significant other? Like You can argue forever or just be like, my my fault. I, I was wrong. It makes everything so much easier. Now, in this business... You're dealing with another human. So Trey not showing up today. I get him being devastated and being a little naive to the fact that he had a chance because I don't think he ever did. I don't care what Kyle says. But I also think for Trey's sake, for the 49ers sake, it's just time. Let's just break up, move on and go our separate ways. And this will go down as one of the worst draft day trades. It wasn't technically a draft day trade, but you know what I mean. In NFL history, there's no way around it. And if the 49ers keep winning, if Trey can go resurrect his career or just go maintain and have a career, everyone can still work out. And it's not like Trey ultimately got royally screwed. He's already been paid $30 million for four starts. So financially, when you get drafted really high, whether you turn out to be Nick Bosa or Trey Lance, you still get paid the same amount of money. And uh, clearly his fifth-year option was never going to be picked up. And now he just has to hope that he can get to a place and just have some positive momentum. 
right? Because it's pretty easy to just get the ball rolling in the wrong direction. You go to a shitty team, you get your opportunity in November when things are going wrong, you don't look good. And then people just start viewing you as a third string quarterback. Because like I said, ton of quarterbacks are coming in every single year. Next year, we're going to have seven, eight quarterbacks drafted in the top 100 picks. You can close your eyes if you loosely follow college football and name five quarterbacks that feel like a lock to go in the first round as we sit here before week one in college football. So the, the amount of inventory at that position that keeps coming in makes it more difficult when people don't think you're good. And right now around the NFL, his value could not be any lower. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's dive in to the Cowboys. And they had a little incident that happened. One of their better defensive players, Sam Williams, was arrested. Now, the infractions were said controlled substance, so I'm thinking cocaine, it's weed, which where I've lived is legal, and a firearm charge, which if you're coming for anti-gun takes, I I grew up in a house with way more guns than people, long line of hunters, I'm not anti-gun here. But I do think it represents something. First and foremost, I remember last year early on in the season, 54 was making some plays. Like, who's this guy on the Cowboys? Sam Williams, what's this guy's deal? So I text a couple of my buddies that are essentially scouting directors for their team and went, really talented dude, 6'3", 260, ran a 4.45. He was off our board. Major red flag guy. I'm not going to get into all the details I've heard, but wasn't good. All these teams told me we took him off the board. And do you know what makes the Cowboys very, very unique? Think about some of the GMs around the NFL, right? Bill Belichick, six Super Bowls, nine appearances. Even as things are going shitty right now, he still gets to do what he wants. Brett Veach, couple Super Bowls, pounded the table for Mahomes, made man. Howie Roseman, right? Brought the Eagles their first Super Bowl championship. Then goes back, hires Sirianni, and makes him into a power again, doing all this wheeling and dealing sweet roster. John Schneider, Super Bowl Seattle. Like, there are some GMs in the NFL that have a lot of leeway, that are able to take some chances, 
that are able to miss on some trades. And no one gives a shit because of the money and the wins that their resume has brought said owner. Nobody, and I repeat it, nobody in all of professional sports, including the NFL, has more room for mistakes as a general manager than a guy named Jerry Jones. He literally follows different rules. There is nothing he can't do. Why? He signs his own checks. He owns the fucking team. So when the Cowboys, who have consistently, and listen, he's not alone. The Eagles took Jalen Carter this year, which a lot of teams were very, very uncomfortable with taking. Clearly, right? Falls to whatever. Pick nine. The guy should have easily been a top three pick. There should not, he should have been the first non-quarterback off the board. But that was Will Anderson, who is not as talented as a prospect as Jalen Carter, but zero questions off the field. Loves football, no issues, high character guy. Where Jalen, a lot of questions, right? Still, there are questions going on right now. He's literally being sued. So when you're Jerry Jones, you're playing somewhat a different game than some of these other GMs. And let's give him a lot of, let's give him, as the kids would say, his flowers. He's drafted very, very well over the last decade. The Cowboys have consistently been a competitive team. And right now, they're currently a really, really good team. But a big part of that is Sam Williams, who is a young, ascending player who's a freak talent. Now, he's not their best player, but he clearly is an impact player if you watch them play. But a lot of people around the league are not shocked by this, are not stunned by this. Now, when I red flag a guy in the draft or I take a guy off the draft board, there's a chance I'm going to look stupid. There's a chance that guy is going to score touchdowns against me, sack my quarterback, or you know become a max player for another team. But we stand by with, the, with our beliefs going in and the work we've done that this is a guy not for us. And some of those guys turn their life around, right? And some issues are different than other issues. A lot of times... It can just be maturity. It can be he wasn't always coachable. Sometimes it can even be a vendetta by a former assistant coach, by a former coordinator in college that talks shit about you, that makes you look bad as a prospect, and that information was wrong. And sometimes it's just right. And when you red flag a guy, it's about more than just you know not listening to someone or maturity. It's about we don't feel comfortable with this guy in our building. Because the reality of the NFL and this is just pro sports in general, you got a lot of free time. And while some of these guys in college now are making big coin like Caleb Williams, most of them make nowhere near what they're going to make once they get to the show, to the league. And you got a lot of free time. You got a lot of disposable income and trouble can follow if you don't have your head on straight. And Jerry has been proven right over and over taking some flyers. He also has done a good job of having a core group of guys that are just high-level dudes, right? Dak Prescott, Zach Martin, clearly Micah Parsons, high-level guy. But when you take these flyers for as talented as a young guy it looks, and trust me, I was blown away by watching this guy play last year because I was like, God, I'd want this guy in my squad. It can come up to bite you. And you never know when. It can be in the middle of the season. It can be in the offseason. It can be eight hours after you land from a preseason game. And whether you agree, disagree with the rules, with the laws, with the infractions that said player gets popped on, they have a problem on their hands because one of their players, a starting player, is arrested, had to go to jail. And this is an issue then they have to deal with. 
So Jerry Jones abides by different rules than every GM. And those include the best GMs, the ones with, that are making the most money with the longest contracts. Because he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and this, when this happens, the thing that makes the Cowboys, no one's looking at each other. Like He's the top of the food chain. He's the one that the ultimate decision maker in that room with every freaking pick, especially their high-end picks, especially with their red flag picks. Because this creation, the team is kind of his puzzle piece and he puts it all together, right? So Sam Williams, it looks directly at him. And, you know, he he's always willing to push the edges. He's always l- willing to kind of live, you know, toward the extreme. And sometimes it blows up in your face. We'll see how this plays out. But that's not an ideal way to, to head into your third preseason game to have one of your younger, more talented players end up in the back of a cop car. The Jonathan Taylor situation. I think sometimes, and listen, I'm not trying to make a huge deal over some of my DMs or responses to our content, but you know, I see it. I try to keep a pulse on the people. And I think sometimes I get billed as I'm always anti-player in contract money situations and like pro the team. And I view myself simply as zero agenda pro business, right? Whatever is the best business move. That's why you haven't hear, heard me complain about Chris Jones or Nick Bosa holding out. Why? Those guys have a lot of leverage, as they should. They're elite premium players at premium positions. So if Chris Jones thinks he's worth $28, $30 million, hard for me to disagree. Clearly was a top two or three non-quarterback in the NFL last year. Was the best defensive player by a wide margin on the best team in the league. Now, I don't know all the details. I saw Andy not happy. There's no communication happening. Sometimes negotiations get ugly, especially when you're talking a lot of money. So I understand where Chris Jones is coming from. I also understand the Chiefs. Like, this ain't Andy's first rodeo. If he doesn't think that you can get to a number, he'll trade you. Now, I don't think that would be in the best interest of the team. I wouldn't trade him. But these situations can get dicey. We're talking a lot of money. Nick Bosa, the 49ers have no choice. The thing with with Jones is this is his third contract, but they could still at minimum get a one and like multiple twos. You could get more for Bosa because he's younger, but I wouldn't trade either player. Look, I understand why both the guys are holding out, that there is no easy way to get these done. Most situations at the highest level of the most money when it comes to a non-quarterback, historically have gotten kind of ugly, right? If the guy's just not immediately paid what he wants to be paid, which happens sometimes, right? A lot of guys either have to force a trade or kind of has to do these hold, have to do these holdouts to get the money they're looking for. So I'm, I understand the player side on that one. I was pro Zach Martin. He's underpaid. You're paying all these other guys. I'm one of the best players on your team. I've been a consistent all-pro, Pro Bowl-level guy. Pay me my my worth. I'm well underpaid. And he got his money. But sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Like One thing I don't understand in the sports business realm is everyone that covers the NBA, when these enormous contracts happen, they're like, well, the, the salary cap is going to go up 2 to 3x because of the incoming money from the television deal that's set to be renewed in the next 18 months. I said, really? Your ratings have been consistently going down. For example, ESPN's bleeding money. Rumors are that Apple might buy them. TNT has complained about the deal that they've signed because both of them gave you a combined billions of dollars and they didn't get what they paid for in return because low ratings, star players not playing in primetime games. It wasn't a great deal. And now the second time around, they're just going to double their investment. How does that make any sense? 
Now, I'm not acting like they're going to get zero, but this notion that the television deal was going to go up 2x, let alone 3x to me, I'm just not buying it. I just don't see it. The reason the NFL gets such an enormous television deal is because they return such an enormous investment to the people that buy them, right? AB, or excuse me, CBS, NBC, obviously now ABC and ESPN are involved, Fox. They're incredible business partners because when you put them on your television, they rate at an extreme level. Why do you think the sport of golf got so weird? It's like, well, they had to match because Liv was throwing around all this money. The PGA Tour had to take all this money out of savings. Their television ratings didn't equal the amount of money they were giving their players. It was all out of whack. So I'm just pro good business. Like what makes sense? And clearly paying a running back. I'm not anti paying a running back, but Jonathan Taylor, for example, when Christian McCaffrey got paid or Zeke got paid, they were coming off elite years, like back-to-back elite years. So they had momentum going into the contract situation, just like Chris Jones or Nick Bosa relative to the running back. Like they were coming off incredible years. Like I'm an elite player. We helped you win. I'm a dominant player. Look at my numbers. Speak for themselves. Jonathan Taylor, if he had come off his second year arguing right now, I think he'd have more juice but he's coming off a season where he was legitimately injured and the team was a joke. So it's like the momentum for his argument isn't really there. And then they let him seek a trade. And I've seen this a lot. Well, they're asking for so much. They know no one's going to give it. Well, of course, they're not just going to give him away. Like he's asking for his value. Well, what is his actual value, right? Because the actual value for Chris Jones on the open market would be a boatload. The 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 value for Nick Bosa on the open market would be even more than that. Right? What is the value for JT on the open market? Cuz in pro sports when you're on the open market either via trade or via free agency, like it kind of speaks for what it is, right? Aaron Judge was on the open market. The Giants were willing to give him like 350 million dollars, right? Bryce Harper was on the market. T- several teams were willing to give him 300 million dollars. I don't agree with it, but Mike McGlinchey hit the open market because of the scarcity of tackles. Got a team to give him 50 plus million dollars guaranteed. So I look at JT, who is essentially on the open market. You just have to pay with a draft pick. You think any team is willing to give him the second and third, their, like their two and their three, to then pay him? Because part of trading for some of like Christian McCaffrey, I see used a lot, he was already under contract. The Niners just inherited the money. They didn't have to give any signing bonus. When you give JT, you know, uh, uh, let's say a four-year, let's say $15 million a year. So what's that? Four-year, $60 million. And I guaranteed 45 of that. Well, a signing bonus is like $30 million. So I got to immediately cut him a check where I'm seeing all these guys around the NFL find sixth, seventh undrafted free agents at running back. Hell, jo- Jonathan Taylor was a second-round running back. So th- this gets back to the running back conversation, his value around the league, And let's face it, he's not handling this very seamlessly. It is really, really bizarre. He would have been better off if he just doesn't show up. But him showing up, standing there on the sideline, let's face it, looks really weird. It is not a great look. You're better off just removing yourself from the situation, like the Chris Jones situation. Clearly, he's getting kind of weird. He's tweeting eight weeks, and he's not happy, but he's not there. So there is no story on a daily basis of him just like in the corner sulking. Now, I'm a believer that the hold-ins typically work with position players. This situation, because of the position he plays and because of the year he's coming off, makes it a little more complicated. So 
I, I do think like I try to be very unbiased with every contractual situation, with any business situation within pro sports. And I just look at it from, is this a good deal or is this a bad deal? Right. Some are good. Some are bad. And uh, I just think this Jonathan Taylor situation, like I, it's hard for me to not understand where the Colts are coming from. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Vredestein Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Vredestein test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Uh, Before we get into Harbaugh and the NCAA, one team that I think has a ton of pressure on them, and I think two individuals for this team have a ton of pressure on them, because if Dennis Allen and the Saints do not make the playoffs this year, and let's face it, it's not going to be a very good division, not only will he probably get fired, he'll never be a head coach again. Like He's not getting a third time around. Not when his two stints have been just losing. Not all of his faults. The Raider situation was a disaster. But if he can't win 10 games and make and win this division with Derek Carr as his quarterback, like I, I don't think he's that good, but it, it will be, you wouldn't even be able to debate me if you were Dennis Allen's dad. Like he just won't be a good coach. I also think Derek Carr, who's coming off his worst years of his career relative to once he started like really becoming a, a decent player, you get. $70 million guaranteed, like has a lot on the line too. Like if both these guys just get the Saints to the playoffs, even if they lose in the first round, but given that there would be some pressure because they would have a home game, but that could be like the 4-5. It could be them versus the Cowboys or them versus the Giants. It'd be a hard game. And who knows, depending on how the season went, they could be the underdog in that game. But I think that's the minimum for them to have success. And I was really thinking about like who even, Tampa's going to be god awful. Like they are not going to be very good at all. I think Carolina, I know Coward was high on them. To me, they're a year away. That offensive line, the rookie quarterback, he's getting peppered. Uh, I know they got some good players on defense, but I just don't see it. To me, they're much more likely to be a 5-6 win team than a 9-win team. And that's cool. If I'm Carolina, I don't mind sucking big time this year to get another high pick, maybe get a star wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., or get a package where I can trade and keep building around Bryce Young. That's fine with me. Tampa playing for Caleb Williams. Atlanta, the the one where I'm kind of coming around a little bit, I'm not a Desmond Ritter guy. Never really was in college, and des- des- definitely not as my NFL starter. I do wonder if they can kind of build it 
Like if they were going to have a successful season, it would have to look like two years, three years ago with the Tennessee Titans. Lead the league or be one of the first or second team in rushing, right? They got B. John Robinson technically is third on the depth chart. We all know that he'll eventually move up. But the other guy they had last year, I remember when they ran it down the 49ers throat, like they got some players at running back. But with B. John, they're going to be able to run it. They got Kyle Pitts. They got Drake London. They, they have some skill guys on offense. So run the ball, little play action, be somewhat of a boring offense, play within your quarterback, and be good on defense. They've invested a lot on defense. I don't know. I think they're – I'm going to have to see it first. But you could convince me, like, that's the mindset of Arthur Smith, given his personnel, how he's going to have to play. That that really is the only team. That's best-case scenario. It goes well for them. The only team that should be able to sniff the Saints. So – I saw Dennis Allen say, we got the best quarterback in the division. He's right. They do. Uh, but when you say stuff like that, and, and again, I, I appreciate a guy being candid because he knows what's on the line. Like, this is not eight and nine will not be tolerated. I'll be fired. And I, I, I'm i pretty confident the Saints, I'm not saying how good, but they're going to win the division. The, the only team to me would be the curveball in Atlanta. And I don't know. I, I just... That that one would be shocking to me, though I, I see the formula how they could get there. Last but not least, uh, well, I guess I'll give a couple thoughts on hard knocks, but but first on the on the Harbaugh situation about feeding the guys the cheeseburgers, I think recruits cheeseburgers and getting whatever three games self imposed, but really they knew the NCAA. And I'm sure if you listen to a lot of football content, you've heard a lot of people talk about this. I've been saying this forever. It's inevitable where this is headed, right? College football, the high end of college football. Now with USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington going to the Big Ten, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, going to the SEC, Florida States, and some of these good programs and Clemson, they just do not need the NCAA. They really play zero role. They don't. They're not in control of the playoffs. This isn't the NCAA tournament, unlike basketball. I don't know how they're going to get there because you're going to need somewhat of a quote-unquote commissioner. You're going to need the conferences to work together, kind of AFC, NFC, uh, or just however they set it up with some of these, you know, Notre Dame, some of these other players as well. But this notion that I have to worry about doing arbitrary rules built by people that have never been part of a football program feels outdated to me. I understood it when the money was a lot smaller and it's just kind of this is what we do but in 2023 and just looking ahead I, I feel like their control and juice and the power that they kind of yield around these programs is going to die a slow slow death i don't know all the details but i was thinking why didn't why did michigan agree to do anything why didn't they just go you know what double middle fingers f you Kiss my ass. We're not, we don't care. You, we didn't, you can't do anything to us. We're going to win games. You can strip our title, even though everyone could watch it, assuming that we win the conference and make the play. We don't care. We don't think you're relevant anymore. Almost like a, a mutiny. And you kind of feel it simmering all the way these coaches are talking, the way these programs are operating, that the day and age of everyone falling under the NCAA umbrella is coming to a quick end. Like It's going to happen a lot faster, I think, than anyone realizes. Now, the ultimate goal, how you could get one kind of you know universal agreement of how many scholarships, what the rules are, who you have to play out of conference, 
We're still a little bit away from that, but I, I think we're closer to that than the NCAA just being able to pop people left and right when it comes to football. I just don't see the need to keep them in the loop and keep their ability to be looking over your shoulder. Why do you want that at this point in time when some of these schools are making $60, $70 million a year just from football? So the Harbaugh situation to me feels dumb. Like, how are we still doing this? What are we doing? What is their role? It just limits our ability as a consumer to enjoy it. When I turn on Michigan week one or week two, as a consumer, the reason these networks, Fox, ABC, ESPN, CBS, have paid all this money for these programs, I want to see Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. Unless he committed a crime, I do not care if he got 10 cheeseburgers or a million cheeseburgers for every kid in the state of Michigan. It does not matter to any of us. I think even Ohio State fans would agree, and they have felt the wrath of this with the Terrell Pryor tattoo scandal. Who cares? Let's all just move on and just separate ourselves from this control of, let's face it, a bunch of village idiots. Because they're not even in charge anymore of generating the revenue for these programs. The football coaches and the ADs are. Let's wave goodbye, move on, and just enjoy ourselves. Football only, set your own rules, and stop worrying about these moronic suspensions. Okay, last but not least, I watch Hard Knocks. Uh, Several things jumped out to me. First and foremost, Robert Sala has seven children. Seven kids? And I, I tweeted this out to people like head coaching salary. My girlfriend's like, God, what does his wife do all day? Just manage the kids when he's out working. I was like, well, he's been rich now for a little while, right? He was as a defensive coordinator. He was making good money, obviously, as the Jets coach. But there had to be a period of time eight, nine years ago when he was making, I don't know, 100 grand or whatever as a quality control guy with at minimum four or five kids running around. This guy is a child-producing machine. We don't give... We talk so much about Rivers, and rightfully so. He's got 27 kids. Robert Sala might be setting a record. I I can't imagine any coaches in the NFL under 50 that are sniffing seven kids. I'd be shocked if there are many over four. Because I think my generation, I'm 38. Two's like the new three and a half. Most of my friends have two. I can't see myself having any more than two. My brother, who's a little younger than me, has two. They're done. I think two is kind of the the sweet spot for us. If you have three, I got a lot of respect for you. Even though it's never actually been easier to have children in terms of like the things you can do to like distract them. When I was a kid, my my parents just said like go hang in the corner. Now I'm not saying from an expense standpoint, it's clearly more expensive now to ever have kids. But we didn't have iPads. My my dad wouldn't get me a Game Boy. So that's all I ever wanted was like a Game Boy or whatever Sega had. Uh, I forget the one Sega was called. They never get it for me. So I was like, I had to read. And obviously, I didn't do too well doing that. But my point is that the distractions for kids, but having that many, the, the challenge, I, that's crazy to me. Like, honestly, it's insanity. Um, he, he's getting it in, though. And it wouldn't shock me if he has eight. A uh, couple things really jump out to you about Quinn and Williams. And I'm not trying to overreact to Hard Knocks, but this guy was a dominant player last year. He looks... He looks like a guy who has a chance to be a star. I, I know he kind of already is a little bit, but I mean like a universal, the way we talk about Watt or Miles Garrett 
or Micah Parsons or Bosa. We did forever with Luke Keekley. Like, this is one of the best defensive players in the league. How do you block this guy? Their defensive front, if Will McDonald, the guy they drafted, and uh, I think Johnson, the, the pass rusher last year, and some of their other rotational guys could just be a dominant, dominant unit. I mean, Salah had it with the 49ers in 2019 when he had Buckner, Bosa, Armstead, and D Ford before D Ford fell off a cliff. Uh, that defense, I mean, Sauce is a stud. Garrett Wilson, he looks really skinny, but holy shit, he looks fantastic. It's just going to come down to, and I heard Colin talking about it today, that quote when Randall Cobb addresses the the wide receivers of like, we got to get our shit together. If you don't know what you're doing, he won't throw you the ball. He throw, hates throwing interceptions. To me, it's like, I get if you don't know what you're doing, you got to figure it out. But the he hates throwing interceptions. Why does that matter? And Coward's been on this forever. Sometimes he is a little interception obsessed. Like, and I've always defended the Packers a little bit on how hard it is to throw the ball in when they got these home games in January. It's very, very difficult in frigid temperatures when you're a passing team, right? You're just not going to be able to consistently throw for 350 yards when it's negative whatever out and you can't feel my hands. But I remember two years ago when they lost the 49ers and they only scored the one offensive touchdown on the first drive with Devontae Adams. I'm like, Aaron, you could do a little more, man. Like, you're being a little conservative here. And I think Randall Cobb was basically saying, like, you know, for a guy, and I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen in any sport. But that comment was like, why, why do we care? Like, how about just this? We'll work together, we'll figure out the routes, but I'm going to throw you the ball. If you're good, I want the ball in your hand. If you're, if, if you're, the guy's all over your back, I won't throw it to you, but I'll give you a chance. If you prove to me you can be a playmaker, I'll put it up. Give some 50-50 balls. It's honestly some of Mahomes... Joe Burrow, obviously Josh Allen, like they're willing to take some chances. That's why all those players I think are so fun for us to discuss, to watch as just NFL fans. Even if you're not a fan of the Bengals or the Chiefs or the Bills or now with Herbert or Trevor Lawrence, like they'll just kind of let it rip. You know, they'll just let it rip. I'm not pro. There, there are some interceptions that are devastating, right? Dax two interceptions last year in the playoff game. I played golf last week with a couple guys from Texas and they're like, I flew out for that playoff game. I felt I, I had a good feeling we were going to win it. And then by that first DAC interception, I knew we were in major trouble because, you know, when it rains and pours. So I'm not pro throwing picks, especially in big games, but you got to be there, there's like a balance here. There's a line. It feels like Rodgers is very hesitant to get too close to that line where it's like, if you got Garrett Wilson, you get a tight end, like you got some weapons on offense, like you, you got to push the envelope. If you're ever going to win another Super Bowl, and it might not happen this year just because their offensive line might suck. But they'll be definitely one of the more talented teams next year if you know if they go 8-9. and Because I got a lot of people in my DMs, and rightfully so, they're like, Middlecoff, you're blowing the Jets. Rodgers has played on way more talented Packer teams that underwhelmed. Like, what are you talking about? And I think it's fair. I, I, I have rolled back a little bit of my Jets hype because it is hard to be a 12-13 win team if three of your five offensive linemen are question marks. I'm not arguing that. I'm not being naive and just throwing this out here to get a reaction. I mainly am just betting on all their talent, but if that's your big weakness, that's, I mean, it could be the downfall of a, of a season, right? So maybe it's they're eight and nine or nine and eight this year. Maybe they miss the playoffs. Hell, maybe they, somehow they figure it out and get to 10 wins and next year they're better. 
But if they're going to win a Super Bowl, which is going to be the goal as long as they have Aaron Rodgers, or at least get there, so to win several AFC playoff games, he's going to have to push the envelope in big spots. He'll do it sometimes in regular season games when he's putting up these big numbers. But you've seen at times the last couple of years, I'm a defender. It's like, come on, man, pull the trigger. Let's let it rip, right? Let it rip when it's not super easy, when you're not just, you know, molly whopping the Bears, when you're not up by 15 against the Lions. Because one knock on Rodgers is a lot of his sweet production has come over a decade. Now, listen, he's produced against everybody, but his numbers against division are outrageous. He's destroyed them. I mean, so when Dalvin Cook goes, it's pretty cool to be playing with him. I don't blame him. Dalvin Cook's had a front row seat to one of the best players in the league who's played him, however, how long was he there? Six years or 12 times. Um, And I would imagine a lot of those games have been fireworks show from Rodgers. But the pressure is going to amp up. You know, it really it really is, given that we got a finite amount of time. Like, this guy does not have an eight-year runway. He's 39, 40 years old. He's got a couple-year window to kind of get it done. Can he just have, like, the Joe Montana Chiefs? Because that would be successful. Get to the playoffs a couple times, make it to an AFC championship game. That will not be a failure. Won't be the, it won't change his legacy, really, but it, it will be a positive on his resume. Right. But if he underwhelms for a couple of years or the team underwhelms, he's other guys will get fired. Right. But he'll get the shit. We'll forget about Robert Sala in a year who is very enjoyable on hard knocks. He just feels like I don't want to play for this guy. He feels like a great guy. Good in front of the team. Uh, I, I've seen him as a defensive coordinator. He's really good. I, I'm a Robert Sala fan. Is he a really good coach? Time will tell. <laughs> Pressure's on. Nathaniel Hackett. Everyone's watching you now, man. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.